On Before the Bestseller, we talk with our favorite authors about the books they wrote and the stories behind how those books made it big. I'm your host, Alex Straffy, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. John Sherman wrote and released what has become one of the best-selling golf books of the year, The Four Foundations of Golf. I personally know nothing about golf, and so in this episode, John and I dove into golf for beginners. Golf was emphasized in business school as a place that business got done. And if you also thought you'd never touch a club, but understand the value in being able to hold your own on the green, John gives us the quick rundown on what to focus on when starting out. Two very different episodes with John occur. In this one, it's obviously about golf. And if that's not your cup of tea, then listen to next week's episode where John takes us step by step through how he went from something he was passionate about to translating that passion into 100,000 copies sold in the first six months of his book launch. John Sherman, thank you so much for coming on today to talk about a topic which I actually know very little little about, but being in the business world, I know how important it is, and I want to talk about that. Uh, Thanks for coming on to talk about the four foundations of golf. What's up, Alex? I appreciate the offer. Maybe we'll pique your interest in golf by the end of this uh, conversation. Maybe not. You'll stick to surfing. Well, luckily I am primed for this because there uh, in the complex that we live in, there's a, a hot tub and every single evening I go sit in this hot tub around 9 PM, part of my wind down for the evening, probably more information than, than you or anyone needs, <laughs> but I sit in the hot tub and there's always another guy there too. Uh, his name is Greg and he's always fresh off the course. And I've been learning so much about golf from him to get ready for this conversation. I recently learned about what a handicap actually is or what a, the difference is between a birdie, an eagle, or an albatross, uh, all new terms to me. Uh, so I've been doing my homework, but kicking it off, I want to hear a childhood story that made you who you are today. Um, in golf, um, I put this in the book very early. I was a kid who played every sport growing up. I started off with soccer, hated that, but loved basketball, baseball, American football, hockey, tennis, literally everything. I just love sports. And when I was 10 or 11 years old, I was in my grandmother's garage kind of going through her stuff. And there was an old set of golf clubs, which I believe was my late grandfather's. I never met him. Um, Super old set of clubs, wooden hickory shafts, which for the golfers, if there are golfers listening to this, that will show you how old they were. So I took them across the street into an abandoned schoolyard. I just started smacking these old golf balls around. And one of them took a bunch of dead grass and made myself a makeshift tee. And I made perfect contact with it. And and the feeling was so intoxicating that, you know, I put this in the book. I've I've essentially been chasing that feeling ever since. So, you know, that was the moment that I, I genuinely got hooked and interested in golf when I felt what pure impact felt like. And I think a lot of golfers, we're all chasing that feeling on the, on the golf course. It's it's quite, it's quite cool, but yeah, that's how I got into it. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a special feeling. Yeah. I can kind of, it's kind of like, you know, I'm a surfer, obviously, as you know, and when you catch the wave right at the top of the wave and you're able to ride it down, you know, it's the same type of feeling. So I'm sure everyone out there who's a sports fan or has their sport can kind of resonate with hitting that ball perfectly. Um, So, you know, you, you played, you went out, you took your grandfather's clubs 
but that doesn't lead to just writing a book about golf, right? So no. <laughs> along, like, how did you, you know, get into golf beyond that? How did, did you start, you know, did you join your high school team? What'd you do? Yeah. So I mean, the, the long and short of my journey in the game, I'm, I'm 39 now. So I've been in the game for over 25 years and, you know, I became competitive. I, I, I was fortunate enough to have parents who supported that. So they got me lessons and I, I, I really, obsessed about the game and I got good enough to eventually become the captain of a, of a mediocre high school golf team. I got pretty good to the point where, you know, I'd be shooting in the seventies. I wasn't an elite competitor, but I was good enough. And then I, I played some low level college golf very briefly. And then I, I essentially quit the game when I was in college, I went to New York university in the city. And then from the ages of like 19 to all the way to 30, I had this bizarre relationship with the game where I wasn't really playing a lot because I lived in New York City, but I still expected the same performance. And that led to a lot of heartache on the course. And that got me reflecting about what I wanted out of the game. Um, and then I guess the third act of my golf life was when I turned 30, I became a father. I moved out of the city. I was able to play and practice again. I got my game to a very high level where I compete a lot in tournaments. And essentially that was the genesis of practical golf, my website. And eventually the book is that I wanted to communicate what I learned from a player's perspective. That was my unique spin rather than most of the golf world is instruction. It's about the technical elements of the golf swing. And I felt that the player's perspective on different topics that I knew were just as important could resonate with people. And and over the years, I got better at doing that. How did you pick up on the four foundations of golf? So I. I started practical golf in 2015 with no writing experience, internet entrepreneurship experience, literally nothing. I did start my career at Google, but I was in sales and marketing, but that was a while before that. Um, I just started writing about topics that I felt were important. And I, I paid attention to whatever feedback I did get. And I started to develop an audience. I actually wrote a book in 2016 called 101 Mistakes All Golfers Make and How to Fix Them. And that was kind of a collection of my earliest blog posts. And it did well enough that it told me I was heading in the right direction. So eventually, I, after writing probably, I don't know, over a million words, some crazy amount, I started to settle on four topics that I believed I had expertise in, were getting good results from readers. And those were expectation management, strategy, how to practice effectively, and my version of the mental game. Um, so it took a lot of writing, a lot of paying attention to feedback, and I just kind of honed in on those four topics and I said, I'm going to own these. And, and this is really what I'm mostly going to focus on. Could you give us a quick summary of each of those foundations? Sure. So I consider expectation management, the most important one, because golf is a game that can really, <laughs> it can drive you crazy. And I think most golfers don't understand what are reasonable outcomes on the course in terms of what's a good shot. What's an okay shot. What are the very, what's the variability of the game? You know, you can like, you're a surfer. You're not going to show up one day and start falling off the surfboard and just completely lose it. Like that happens in golf. <laughs> uh, there, there's just days you show up and there's just an entirely different golfer, And you're like, what happened here? And that's yeah. relative to each level. It happens to the pros in their own way. They're still, you know, shooting scores that only others could dream of, but for them, it's a disaster. So I spend a lot of time, I explore statistics, personal stories of my own blunders and embarrassments on the course. 
and just getting people to reflect on like what they want out of the game and what they can expect from it. And, and to be honest, the feedback I've gotten so far, that's the most powerful part of the book. Yeah. Um, so that's the first section, the second section, yeah, expectation yeah. management, because I, I just, you know, as I get older, I think that's kind of like the spice of life and happiness is just kind of figuring out what you want out of any endeavor and what makes you happy and golf should be no different. Um, so that's one strategy to put it simply is I'm trying to give people a framework on how they can select targets on the course that are optimal. I use a lot of philosophies from, you know, modern golf analytics to kind of show people, if you're hitting a tee shot, where should you aim and why, you know, there, there's all these different shots in golf where every, every shot is kind of a risk reward. And I want to give people a framework on how to make those decisions more effectively. And there's a lot of that goes into it. Um, so that is, that is mostly what the sections second section is about is just how can I lower your scores by just choosing smarter targets, um, which is a big part of the game that no one really talks about. So you've got the strategy portion. Exactly. Um, and the third part is about practice. Again, another, I believe very misunderstood topic. I think a lot of golfers, including myself practice all the wrong ways. I'm more about skill acquisition. So I give people ideas. A lot of them are out of the box ideas on how to practice effectively, whether they're at home or the driving range, just to help them develop skills that they can bring out on the golf course and kind of be their own coach. Um, it's, it's stuff that's different than the typical, like the golf world is full of what I would call swing tips. So they're, this, this doesn't really happen in a lot of other sports where you're obsessing over the mechanics of, of the movement. You know, soccer players aren't thinking about what their knees and feet are doing when they're trying to, you know, pass it or, or, or a corner kick. Whereas in golf, like all we talk about are, are like, what, what is the body doing? And I try and get away from that with my practice methods so that on the course, you can kind of be an athlete and just let it happen and react. Yeah. So that's what a lot of the practice section is about. Um, and the last part of the mental game is, you know, I'm not a performance psychologist, but I know what it's like to be on the golf course. I mean, this might sound crazy to you as a non-golfer, but we experience like horrible anxiety, anger. Like we go through a really wide range of emotions on the golf course when we let this game get to us. And I'm trying to help people I talk about mindfulness and gratitude and process and try and give people things that they can cling on to when they're on the course to kind of calm themselves down and make sure that they are actually enjoying themselves, which again, seems crazy to a non-golfer. Like, why would you spend all that money and, you know, spend five hours of your day <laughs> torturing yourself, but you can ask your buddy in the hot tub about this and he'll tell you it's yeah. just a lot of days sometimes get wasted. And I, I regret that. So I try and you know, teach people mental techniques that have helped me in, in tournaments under pressure or just trying to have fun with a normal round. So there's a lot more that goes into each of that. I wrote 92,000 words on, <laughs> on all those foundations. It's not, it's not a short book for those. No, of it, it's not. Yeah. It, it's, it's 49 <laughs> chapters. And, and what's crazy is like, I, ha I could have gone on for a lot longer. I had to stop myself at one point. Um, uh, per perhaps there's some more for another book, but yeah, that, that is, that is the gist of it from the 40,000 foot view. Sounds like the the fourth section there of the mind game could be made into its own, you know, the the art of Zen and golf or something yeah. uh, type book. And there are, you know, I think that so for most golfers in terms of books, they have two choices. It's usually like technical swing stuff or there's always been books available from like performance psychologists. And I didn't want to regurgitate what they said. I think there's some parallels, but I wanted mm. to I think the reason 
people are responding well to the book is, is that my voice is different because I am a golfer. I am not, not that a performance psychologist doesn't have something to offer, but they sometimes what they talk about, I think is geared more towards like really high end players. And I'm more towards the recreational enthusiast. I just want to help solve the problem. If you know, you've been looking forward to your round all week and you're going to tee off on Saturday morning with your buddies. I would just want to give you some tools to make sure that, you know, you're going to get a little embarrassed. You're going to get a little scared. You're going to get a little too excited or your expectations might get out of whack. I just want to give you some tools to get through that and make sure you have a good time and play well at the same time. So um, it's kind of my own version or explanation of that stuff. What do all the best players have in common? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I, I mean, in terms of their performance, they're, they're really good at controlling impact conditions. And I could have a whole separate physics conversation with you on what, <laughs> what makes a golf ball do what it does. But, you know, the, the best players that I'm around in tournaments, I think they have great ownership of their games and they know the kind of golfer that they are. Um, we all bring different personalities to the game. And some people thrive, I think, on different types of emotions while others are more stoic. Um, I've been someone who probably has gone too extreme in both directions and I need to balance <laughs> myself out. But I think, yeah, I think the best golfers I know, actually, I should say this, the most successful golfers I know are the ones who are happiest with the game. They're the ones that don't necessarily shoot the lowest scores, but they just, they know what they want out of golf and they get it. Whereas some of the high end players are on kind of this hamster wheel of wanting better, 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 and it's never good enough for them. So I, I often view success two different ways in golf is like, yeah, there's the shooting the lowest score, but there's also like, well, are you actually happy with this game and getting fulfillment? Because some people spend a lot of time on golf and I don't think they're very fulfilled. So it is the type of game that can do that to you. And I know that sounds crazy and it's very unique, um, but I just don't see that as much with like people who like to run or bike because it's more <laughs> of a straightforward activity. You put your work in sure. and you're going to get your results and golf. Yeah. You can put all that work in and you could get worse. So, yeah. it, it, it really is a crazy game. It goes um, back to the first foundation of just setting your expectations. Of yeah. I think yeah. there has to be something in there that you're going to be happy with no matter what, regardless of the results. And that's not to say, I don't want to get people better at this game. I genuinely do. But I think if I had to say the foundation of the foundations is expectation management. Why do you think some golfers never improve? I think, um, I could probably tell you 20 different reasons. Um, I think one of them is that they are focused, honestly, like the, the golf swing, they are stuck on what I would call the swing tip, uh, conveyor belt, hamster reel, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, there's more information than ever on the golf swing. You can go on YouTube and Instagram and you'll get information from thousands of swing instructors. And I talk about this in the book. And the problem with that is, is that it's not that we don't have better information on the golf swing. It's that when you listen to 50 different voices, you know, a lot of them have conflicting information. They're not relevant to your golf swing. And what's worse is when you go on the course and it's time to actually hit the shot, you need a clear mind to execute. And if you're thinking about, oh, I'll get my shoulder here and like all these things, it doesn't allow the athlete to perform 
Um, I, I see golfers who get frozen over the ball with fear because of this. So I think I, I know one of the reasons that a lot of golfers don't get better is because they think that the answer to the lower scores is by consuming more knowledge about the golf swing. And it's quite counterintuitive. I would say the less, you know, and sticking to only maybe one voice on that, perhaps an instructor that you're working with, that's the better way to go. Um, but I, I would say that's one of the main reasons I started my site was to like, just let people know that there is another way to go. And I'm not against learning about the golf swing. It just has to be done in a certain way, I believe. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of my self-help reading books. I'm a self-help junkie. And man, when you get to like the fourth, the fifth book within, you know, a few months, you, you start feeling worse about yourself. Like you yeah. actually, you know, you've, now you have a million things you're doing wrong. And I think that probably kind of correlates to the swing too. You start just focusing all these little details that are kind of contradictory. And, you know, if you just focus on one thing long enough and have the right mindset, it's a lot, lot better for you. Yeah. It's not to say that, you know, I, I don't want to discourage people from educating themselves. It's just, you know, sure. you have to try to take things with a certain grain of salt and really ask yeah. yourself, like, am I doing this just to make myself feel better? Or is there like a real purpose here? And that's, that's hard to, I think in other walks of life, you know, if I read 50 books on personal finance, like I'm probably going to be a lot smarter with my money. But if I read 50 books on the golf swing, like I think you're going to end up being a worse golfer. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. Again, bizarre game. <laughs> So if it's so bizarre, why do you think people should get into golf? Um, the, the, that, that is one of the reasons why it's so addictive is because yeah. everyone can get a taste. If I had to put my finger on it. So, you know, most people play golf or, or some type of sports fan. Mm. You can watch the NBA. You're never going to dunk a ball like LeBron. You're never going to shoot a three-pointer like Steph Curry. You're never going to hit a home run like Aaron Judge. You're never going to throw a football like Tom Brady. But there are moments in golf where you can equal the performance. Not a lot of the shots. You can drain a 50-foot putt. You can hole out a wedge from 50 yards. You can hit that iron shot next to the pin. There's these moments on the course, and every golfer talks about them, is they'll have this totally dreadful round, and they hit this one shot that is absolutely perfect, and that's what keeps them coming back for more. Um, so you get these moments where you're at like the top of the mountain and you're like, okay, cause you know exactly how difficult the game can be. And you get these little tastes of, of extreme progress and, and, and incredible results that you, again, you're, you're, I said this earlier, like I, I, I chase that feeling. I, I fall asleep at night thinking about that feeling sometimes and going through like my mental Rolodex of great shots. Like it really is this. I guess it's similar to like a runner's high or something like that. It, it, it's uh, it's a bit of a drug, I would say. And I think that's what hooks people on the game is that feeling. The improvement that they see in themselves. Where should someone start when getting into golf? So I, I think, I mean, other, honestly, like I, <laughs> I don't sound like a guy shilling my own book, but I wrote the book so that <laughs> anyone of any level can like understand golf at a 40,000 foot uh, you know, view uh, yeah. that thing. And there's some other books I would recommend too, but I think getting lessons is a really good idea. Um, stick with one voice, one instructor, get a series of lessons. Um, and then also like focus on the stuff that I try and talk about is like, what do I want out of this game? Like that type of stuff, because it, it you can quickly go down the wrong path and a lot of golfers do. Um, but certainly I think customized swing lessons are a great way to make your learning process more straightforward and save you time in the long run. Um, and 
learning about the other parts of the game, like what are reasonable shot outcomes? Like how long is this going to take? Like, it's not the same answer for everyone, but you do want to get a understanding of like what quote unquote success looks like in this game, because like someone who's starting off shooting in 90, it's like a great score. Yeah. But a lot of people think shooting a 90 is all these spectacular shots and it's really not. It's more of like, I don't want to say it's mundane and, and it's mistake avoidance, but a lot of it, right? yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a lot less sexier than people think, even, you know, at the level I'm at where I could shoot even par or, or under par, a lot of people who witness those rounds are like, wow, that was, I didn't even notice because I didn't do anything that spectacular. I just didn't make any of those. I think honestly, what separates a lot of golfers from one another is just less of the, less of the oops swings. It's less of the big mistakes. It's not all of these like tremendous, like I'm not hitting it next to the pin all the time. I'm not hitting 300 yard drives perfectly. Every time it's more of a collection of like reasonably good outcomes that are kind of boring, but you know, shooting the score is, it's almost like a battle against yourself and the course. Like it's very rewarding to like, see this progress and watching your handicap go down. Yeah. Um, because there's a numbers attached to it. it. It attracts a lot of type A personalities, people who like to, I have a ton of like real estate people who are following me now <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I've got a hundred million dollar portfolio. I'm set for life. And now I want to become a scratch golfer. And I'm trying to like help all these like super competitive people and like try to wrap because they think like what they did in real estate is going to work and it's not. Yeah. Um, they've, they've really got to tame a lot of that part of themselves down. Um, so yeah, that, that, that is part of the game. It's, 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 I, I just find it totally fascinating. Like all these things. sounds like it's a big game of consistency. As it, it is. And consistency is kind of like a misused term in golf. It's not the consistency that people think. Okay. Um, it is a consistency of like your attitude, your process, making the right decisions. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of, of uh, James Clear and, and the habits philosophy. It's, it's a lot of consistency in that type of stuff while mm-hmm. accepting the variability and volatility of the game where you can hit shots all over the place. You can play great one day and the next day you're a totally different golfer. Um, so there is consistency of what you can control, but there's inconsistency in terms of what the game offers you. Um, and that's hard to accept and it's still hard to accept for me at times and, and plenty of the best players in the world, even them, like they, they can't wrap their heads around that sometimes. It all goes back to those objectives. Uh, you know what you're trying to get out of it. Uh, I think where so. can, for those of you listening that want to get into golf, uh, like John said, it is going to be, you know, easy to get that 40,000 view from this book, but also get specifics. I'm, uh, when I'm done with it, I'm going to hand it over to Greg in the hot tub. So Greg, if you're listening, <laughs> Uh, probably not because that'd be kind of a weird overlap, but um, definitely going to pass this over to Greg afterwards. Uh, John, thank you so much. Where can people get the four foundations of golf? Uh, so it's primarily being sold on Amazon. I, I have it available on Apple and Kobo and Barnes and Noble. I think I might expand beyond that. We'll see. But you know, primarily uh, everyone's getting the paperback and Kindle on Amazon. Awesome. And next time John's going to come on and talk about exactly how he's been able to make this the best-selling book that it has been. So for those of you that are here for the book marketing, they want to hear how John's done it. We're going to dive into that in the next episode. So thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. I know there's many other things you could have been doing during this time. And I hope you found this episode incredibly useful for you and your journey. And if you did, or if you have any feedback, I would love to hear that in a review 
on Apple, that would be fantastic or anywhere else that you are listening to this show. So thank you. And if you're the type of listener that is also an author or looking to be an author soon, feel free to email me at alex at advancedamazonads.com. That's alex at advancedamazonads.com. And I'll add you to our weekly newsletter where I send out all of the best marketing tips I've ever heard from authors that I've had on this show and many of the authors that we work with. So I look forward to hearing from you if that's something you'd find useful. And either way, I look forward to having you back for our next episode.